0: I think Luke 10 and the way we're talking about this opens up this huge opportunity to activate so many young people that currently are not activated. But there's one major problem, one thing we lack, and that is we don't know how to create sending communities.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're gonna hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So, if you want to learn more about a thousand houses or check out some of our resources, visit
0: 1kh.org. Sometimes, when people first hear about this army and outpost model for seeing a kingdom expand, the army component can feel Pretty simple, like oh wow, just find a partner and then go off and see if we can find people of peace. And it's no, it's not, it's not that complicated. And there is a simplicity to it. And Jesus, as he did this, uh, sent people out, and it can be done in a simple way or in a, a more complicated way. But one thing that you'll always find in all of these different examples, you see this with Jesus, you see this in other examples, is that there's usually, uh, I think, pretty much without exception, a sending community, people that are sending those disciples out to do the mission and are taking somewhat responsibility for how they go out and come in, what the strategy is and how they encourage them as they're coming back in and debrief and all the elements that sort of surround the the going out. And, and every army, um, they say that almost 70% of the army is logistical support and maybe 30 or 20% is actually combat, people that are actually out there doing the actual, what you think of when you think of army. It requires a huge amount of of logistical support to send somebody out. And so um, this is just by way of saying, hey, we need to be aware of this dynamic, that right now when we describe this strategy, we need to think about how are we gonna develop sending communities. And for those of you guys who want to be sent out, be a part of this army, who would, you do, who would you think of as your sending community? Like, who, who is actually responsible for making sure they're praying for you, that you're cared for, and that when you come back in, that you have a place to debrief and rest? That those are really important elements of mission. And we see this at the very beginning of, of the early church when the first uh, uh, disciples were sent out to the Gentiles um, in Acts chapter 13. We read there that among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius, called Serena, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. That was Paul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul went out by the Holy Spirit. Now there's a lot to observe in this passage. This is the first example we have in the book of Acts of this kind of sending community. And the sending community was the church of Antioch. This was a group of people, and it's fascinating to think about who are these teachers and prophets that were getting together and fasting and praying and listening to the Holy Spirit and their ability to hear and discern the Holy Spirit, not just about like what to do, but specifically who was supposed to go. And that now this is how Barnabas and Saul, who later became Paul, this was how they were sent out. But this whole conversation is at least they had this church of Antioch where they were able to create this community of teachers and prophets who were listening to the Holy Spirit and fasting and praying and supporting um, these missionaries who were going out. And it's really important that we have those kinds of places, those sending communities. And as we've thought about, okay, what are the different examples of that in the modern day? And so every culture has different examples. Three that come to mind that are all acronyms that I've thought about a lot. Um, we've already talked about Chabad, but the other three that have come to mind is the IDF, the LDS, and YWAM. And so I want to talk through just a couple of the things that are involved in these three organizations and maybe some things we might learn from them as we think about what it takes to actually send people out. So the first is the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, The thing that I find really helpful or interesting about the IDF is that if you uh, spend any time in Israel, you'll see the incredible impact this understanding of everyone goes into the army has had on the culture. And in the Christian church, we don't really have a culture of what people do after they graduate from high school. And for a lot of people who have created a strategy or an army strategy, they oftentimes will create a culture of expectation for people that are 18, 19, 20, 21, who are entering into adulthood but are likely not going to immediately immediately get married. And so within Israel, the IDF has created this place where there's all this anticipation, they're taking tests and trying to figure out which unit they're going to be a part of. They join that unit, they experience for guys three years in the military, for for women it's two years, and then they come out and they have a time of rest. And for the rest of their life, what's really interesting is that as you kind of move around Israel and talk to Israelis, this common experience of having the entire country have have had this shared experience of being a part of the IDF people ask well what unit did you serve in and what was that like for you and where did you go afterwards and um what people have said is that this has done more to shape the culture of the country of Israel than any other single thing you think about all the other things that could shape the country like the shared history as the Jewish people um or all of the different uh the different uh, religious um rhythms that happen within Judaism. But the number one thing that they'll usually reference when you say, well, what's crafted this kind of culture? They will often say the IDF because it was such a shared experience at such a important time in their life that it is something where they, they, from that point forward, they all think entrepreneurially. They, it has all kinds of interesting impacts on their culture. And I've, I've always wondered what would happen if we had a culture like that? What would happen if there was a shared experience of what it meant to be a part of the army and go off on mission and, and do that? And so you can imagine if you're, if you were part of a state sponsored conscription, like it's, it's mandatory, of course, in Israel that, that men and women serve in the IDF. Is it possible to experience that if it's not mandatory? And so then I also want to like, turn to another example where it's not state sponsored but has a similar impact on, on a religious culture and that is the, the LDS, the Latter-day Saints or the Mormon Church. And I've talked to different Mormons and when I, ha- when I have conversations with Mormons, I oftentimes will ask them, tell me about your mission. Like, what was that like? What was your training like? And I was talking to a friend of mine who was a Mormon recently about his experience, and he just could not stop talking. It was like opening this huge part into his life, and he would love to talk about, yeah, we went off and spent months in training, and then he was sent to a foreign country, described what it was like to be two by two, and I said, what was that experience like for you? I mean, was it is that a really super effective strategy? Did you find a lot of people coming to your particular faith through that strategy? And he said, you know, It has, it has different countries. It's effective in other countries. It's not. But he says, you know, one thing it's incredibly good at is that after being on mission for two years, we are so grounded in our faith that that's the reason why so few people leave our faith. Because in the two most, uh, really impressionable years of your life where you're, you're able to really learn very advanced theological ideas to be constantly uh, proselytizing and thinking about what what do I believe? Why do I believe it? In a context of this sort of almost being a part of an army, um, where you're being surrounded by leaders and coaches and other people who are also on mission, he just couldn't stop talking about how powerful that experience was and how much he he's looking forward to sending his kids on mission and and what what that did to their culture. And it made me really sad about like oh man, there's there's almost no structure at all that we give uh, our young people about what life after high school is supposed to look like. We send our kids off oftentimes to college or into adulthood with very little structure during a very impressionable time in their life when they are really, really valuable for mission, but also um, very uh, susceptible to just becoming hedonistic and giving into their pleasures and being very self-centered. And so this has been a big problem, this, this reality that we don't really have a clear way to think about this. And so I was I began to wonder, what's the best example that evangelical Christianity or or the Christian Church, those who are who believe in evangelism, where where do we do this? Is there is there some place we do that? And I would say probably one of the best examples that I've seen is is YWAM or Youth with the Mission. And the way YWAM works is they've set up these DTSs or discipleship training schools and all over the world. And so somebody who wants to be a part of the army can go and join. ADTS and usually it's about six months long and you spend three to four months in in discipleship training and you really get theologically educated and then you spend a couple of months uh, usually on a foreign mission field with a team of people that were also trained together at that training school. Um, And so this has been very very helpful for a lot of people in terms of founding their faith, um, but it's not really integrated into the way we do church in the West or the way we do church uh, overall, and one of the things, the opportunities that we have with this Luke 10 strategy is that we can now take a step back and ask, okay, what would it look like for us to begin to have an overarching strategy for how to send people out uh, two by two in a way that integrates in the way that we think about uh, this whole expression of church as, as planting kingdom communities and allowing these expressions of church to be native inside of those different communities themselves. And so I think Luke 10 and the way we're talking about this opens up this huge opportunity to activate so many young people that currently are not activated. But there's one major problem, one thing we lack, and that is we don't know how to create sending communities. We don't have an agency, a missions agency that has thought about the strategy, that is praying in the Holy Spirit for who to send, where to send people, and we don't have a way to bring them back in and debrief them. We don't have a way to integrate the fruit that they're creating. And so there's a lot of this kind of logistical support the army needs. We need to see the, the building up of these sending communities. That's one of the things we're hoping to become uh, more and more at 1KH. Um, But I also just want to like issue this challenge to you guys as we think about what it means to lean into the strategy. And that is, are you being called to participate in building up sending communities? Especially if you do spend some time doing this Luke 10 strategy, would you be willing to invest some time and begin to develop the kind of infrastructure that would allow us to, to do this more and more with, with young people, with singles, uh, with families who are supported, with those who really want to go on mission and do it in a way that's really effective. Instead of just sending people out in a very haphazard way with very little support, um, we need to figure this out and we need to create that kind of sending community culture. And so this is just more of a call to say this is a big gap uh, everything that we've trained you guys in, in terms of really following Luke Ten, is not sufficient without this uh, component. And so we're going to be really investing in figuring out this component as well. But for those of you who are really attempting Luke Ten, uh, we we just want to call you and invite you to help us figure this figure this out and fill this gap that exists in the kingdom. If we're going to use this strategy, how do we build those sending communities? How do we create a missions agency that that really uh, really really supports the army in a way that makes it more and more effective. So, hope you guys can think with us about that. We're gonna be sharing more and more of our, our ideas over time as we see more people adopt this strategy, but we wanted just to kinda get you thinking and just to get you listening to the Holy Spirit. How might you participate in helping us create Sending Communities?
1: Well friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission coaching intensive where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, Go to 1kh.org/slash made We'll see you for the next episode.